This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, Tank Girl, Miriam Jouar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Jouar, and today is Thursday, March 8th, 2018. Um, I have a special guest today, and that's Fiona Agomo. And she's a freelance tech journalist. She does a lot of phone coverage. So I thought, hey, it's Women's Day. I need to have a woman on the show. Women Unite. How are you doing, Fiona? I'm really good. How about you? I'm doing great. Um, I have a bit of a cold, to be honest. So if you Aww, guys, sorry. my listeners, it's fine. My listeners are probably going to say, you're not doing great. You sound weird. And so I just have to be straight up with them. Um, so we just got back from MWC. And uh, yeah, uh, what a show, huh? Definitely. Very interesting this year. <laughs> <laughs> what, is, what is your general takeaway? Like, uh, let's start with that, because I think everybody wants to kind of have a summary now. Uh, well, it's really interesting because I actually got stopped by someone from the GMSA. I, I believe he was an analyst and kind of asked me the same question. And I just just kind of like, I feel like this year, while interesting, I feel like a lot of the showcase is kind of improvement on the features that we're already used to, you know, especially with things like camera and certain things are maybe getting a little bit more RAM here and, you know, designs are being tweaked and things like that. But there's not really so much of an emphasis on the new right now. And, you know, I was talking with this analyst and we were just saying it's kind of a good thing at this point, just because I feel like there was such a long time where it was next big thing. Here's the new feature. Here's the first gen of this, 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 and this. And, you know, if we have like a moment to kind of just uh, tweak things and perfect them, you know, that would probably be beneficial to consumers and probably even to, you know, the companies bringing out these things where when things are at their top quality, more people will want to buy them. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that, you know, for me, the biggest thing that I think the industry needs to improve is updates, right? I mean, for yeah. people who are going to keep a phone for two years, getting updates in a timely manner and getting especially security updates. And I think some companies are doing it, but I want to see, this is my goal for this this year, 2018, is to really like bang on them hard so that they understand that Look, we know you're in the business of making hardware and selling new hardware. And most of the listeners here are going to buy a new phone every six months, every year. The reality, though, is the average person out there is not. And they need some love. They need to know that their two-year-old phone, before they finally give up on it and buy a new shiny one, is still going to be usable and still okay. going to be, you know, up to date, at least as up to date as it can be. I think three to six months update, like delay on updates is reasonable, at least on major OS updates. I think that no more than one or two months delay on security updates is, uh -huh. is essential. And I think that fits into what you were saying, you know? Um, so maybe we don't see some exciting new features so much as we see the industry actually maturing and bringing us what we really need. Definitely. I mean, that is the thing about about uh, OS updates, especially on Android, where now it's kind of like, you know, a joke among all of the journalists and bloggers where it's like, OK, well, how long are we going to have to wait for Oreo? Which device is going to get it first and things like that? And it's like, you know, we see it and we're exposed to it, but it's not not that it's not for us. But, you know, the whole point is that 
everyone should experience it. All of these new features we're telling our our readers and the people that follow us, oh, well, this this software has this feature, but by the time their device gets it, they've already bought a new one. And that device is then, you know, six months behind because the new software is out. So, you know, like definitely there's just that need for the streamlining and you know, it's it's just kind of really interesting. We have Google I.O. coming up really soon. And last year was the whole thing about Project Treble. And then you have a lot of uh, companies where their devices are still not even kind of adopting that protocol yet still. So it's kind of like, where is that going to come in? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, obviously the big star of the show with the Galaxy S9. And mm -hmm. I kind of want to get your feel for... Your thoughts on this phone? Obviously, as we are talking evolution instead of revolution, this is very much an evolutionary phone. I mean, I think it's kind of like, you know, the TikTok cycle I talked about in the last podcast where the Galaxy S6 was a big change and then it kind of was a tick and then the 7 was a talk because was the evolution of the 6 and then the 8 was like a tick like a radically well not radically but it was quite a bit of an improvement over the 6 and 7 design with the mm -hmm. infinity display and the lack of bezels and then we now have kind of the talk again with the Galaxy S9 where we've taken the same form factor and refined it. Uh -huh. I'm personally on board. I think this is reasonable. I don't think there was anything wrong with the Galaxy S8's design, frankly. I uh -huh. would have liked the corners to be a little squarer, and I got that in the note because I like square-looking phones uh -huh. for some reason. But other than that, you know, the fingerprint reader needed to be replaced in a new way, and they fixed that to some extent. There's a lot of discussion about whether it should be a little lower or not. What's your, what's your take on that, actually? Uh, you know, what's really funny in all while we were at the launch, I actually did not focus on the fingerprint reader that much. So I couldn't even tell you in, you know, like in general, I do think that the moving it to the center was a good, was a good choice. Uh, and I was thinking about this earlier today, just cause I knew we were going to talk about it. Like my joke is kind of like, I, I use the, the Galaxy S8 right now. And I've kind of gotten used to that weird placement just because of the case that I keep on my phone. It kind of serves as a barrier for me to know where the fingerprint reader is and to know where to put my fingers. So I've, I've personally gotten used to it. Uh, but, you know, not everyone's going to get used to that. But definitely when I get a chance to get a little bit more hands-on time with the S9, you know, I'm really excited to hopefully get a review model and be able to play with it a little bit more. But just in general, I do think that the centered placement is just a little bit more natural. Most people, most people are right-handed and, you know, using their pointer finger as the finger that they're authenticating with. So, you know, it just kind of just makes it easier. That's, yeah. you know, that's pretty much the gist of it. <laughs> Totally. No, I agree. I mean, it, it was needed. I think that you're right. You get used to it. I got used to it myself on my S8 Plus and my Note 8. But at the same time, it's like, uh, guys, come on, like, who thought of this? And <laughs> and now it's better. I mean, it's not ideal. I still think that the Pixel 2, Pixel 2 XL, LG phones, like the G6 and the, the V30, have a better placement of the fingerprint reader uh -huh. uh, and more natural. I think Huawei in the past uh, and, and I guess in the present with the the Mate 10 Pro has a more natural positioning of the printer, blah, the fingerprint reader. Um, and so I think, uh, yeah, I think it's good. It's good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, and again, like just 
people that I've been talking to that have it's not it's not really spoken out loud a lot, but I've spoken to some kind of insiders that have actually admitted like, hey, this rare fingerprint scanner kind of across the board, across the industry was kind of like the last ditch effort after the in play in the in display fingerprint scanner wasn't ready for showtime as you know, as as soon as companies wanted it to be. So, you know, it's really interesting how now kind of refining the fingerprint scanner is the thing where, you know, we're still probably going to have to wait a little bit longer before the in-display fingerprint scanner is a mass produced thing. <laughs> yeah. But actually, honestly, I'm, I think the future is what Apple's done. Mm. I, I know that, you know, of course, the Face ID has its flaws. I have an iPhone 10. I purchased one just because I asked for Apple for review. And I have a good relationship with Apple. But, you know, I my numbers are not high enough on the podcast yet mm. to really get that kind of uh, that kind of love. So I bought mm. one and and I have to say it's it's a, it's a big it's a pretty significant milestone in, in for Apple. Mm -hmm. But the, I think face ID is really the thing. And and I think that, yeah, it has its flaws. Maybe one out of 10 times it, it fails for me. And it's not bad. It doesn't drive me nuts. It doesn't... I remember the fingerprint reader in the Galaxy S6 not working for me a lot mm. um, and, and me turning it off. I remember the iris scanner or whatever the uh, whatever it's called on the Galaxy S8 and S8 Plus and Note 8 not working for me either, almost ever, and me turning it off just because it was cumbersome. Oh. And so I think the future is continuous face authentication to the point where you can be looking at your phone and you can give it to your kid and they can't do anything with it. You know what I'm saying? And then they give it back to you and it works. Um, and I think that's actually a great secure future. A lot of people are kind of creeped out by it, but I really think that's the way to go. And at that point, you don't need a fingerprint reader anymore. Yeah. So I think there's going to be an interim time and I'm, I'm not against having both. I think choice is good. You know, I'm an Android user primarily, so I like choice. And um, But I think that the future is Face ID or something like it. And nobody's delivered yet. The Galaxy S9 has a hybrid system that basically does, uh, you know, so face recognition has been in Android since, I believe, Jelly Bean or Ice Cream Sandwich, like a long uh, time ice ago. Ice Cream Sandwich, it's been a while. Yeah, <laughs> see, thank you. And so I think because of that, we forget about it, but it's very basic. It can be mm -hmm. full of the photo, as we all know. So there's a few, with, with Apple kind of bringing back this face identification, face authentication to the foreground with the iPhone 10, there's a few companies that have come out with slightly more advanced systems because we have more computational power that don't require depth sensing. So uh, OnePlus on the 5 and 5T, started on the 5T, did uh, basically they, they look at your facial features um, and, and distances between various features on your face and have a little more accurate recognition that is harder to be full of the photo but can still be full of the photo. And they don't use it as a main means of authentication. They mean use that as kind of like a backup or like a secondary that you can't use for payment, and it works well. The View 10 from Honor does the same thing. Actually, a lot of the Honor phones do. And I saw a bunch of phones at MWC that were mid-range phones that were basically advertising that feature. And so what we're looking at is like kind of a, a, an improved face ID of what was an ice cream sandwich. But uh -huh. that's not what we really want. Like I'm, what I'm talking about is pure depth sensing, mapping the 3D features of your face like Apple is doing. And so far, nobody's done it. I think Huawei might be the first with a P20. And that'll be a good segue for us. But I think that... Uh, uh, what what 
Samsung's doing, a lot of people like Miriam, they're doing something with the Galaxy S9. No, what they did is they combined the face, an improved face ID like that with the iris scanner so that the iris scanner doesn't seem as dumb as it is. And <laughs> that's really not the solution because you can't use that for payment. So uh -huh. that's not what we want. I mean, basically, you know, right now, if you have a Galaxy S9 and you want to be secure, use the fingerprint reader, okay? Um so what's, and what's your take on all these technologies? I mean, do you think that, I mean, obviously it's only a matter of time until somebody does proper depth sensing 3D mapping of your face on Android. Uh -huh. but, but do you think this, this is the future? I, I mean, I feel like just biometrics in general, there is just going to be that uh, that push towards the ease and security. And I mean, you know, like I feel like especially like, the, the people that are in the industry right now, we're all people who've grown up in like the 80s and the 90s and stuff like that. And we kind of grew up on that stuff. Like, you know, all of our, our TV and our movies was all, well, you know, Terminator and you, you're you running down the hall, and you use your eye to open a door and stuff like that. So I feel like that's kind of where the inspiration comes from. So it's just kind of ingrained in us that, hey, like if I have a device that I use every day, the easiest way to 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 use that the functionalities and to get into it and have it work seamlessly is to just kind of be able to put not necessarily even look at it but put it in my face and just have it work for sure but i think look i think ultimately there's so many uses for it like you know in the same way as alexa and google assistant are learning our voices right Mm -hmm. uh they're getting better and better in recognizing each of our voices i think there's a future where you know, various ecosystems like potentially Google and then potentially Apple and potentially Amazon in the future, if they do some sort of a camera equipped product that's more popular, like I know they have a couple of, you know, they have that little alarm clock echo thing and they have uh, the echo show or whatever. Um, but I mean, imagine eventually that all the, you know, 30 to $50 echoes that we buy around our houses are going to probably have a camera in them. What I'm saying is that these, 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 this is going to be a common thing, you know, authentication through through camera and voice combined um, to the point where I think like if you look at Amazon, they own Whole Foods. So what if I walk into a Whole Foods and instead of, you know, like not as advanced as that crazy store they have in Seattle where you can grab things off the shelves <laughs> and walk out. But I'm thinking yeah. something a little more secure where you still have a cash register line. You might have a cashier, so you can still have that awesome interaction with, you know, like I'm a regular at my Whole Foods for mm -hmm. better or for worse. And, but I know the people there and I'm happy to see them every time. Um, so I would still love that interaction, but it's the payment part. Right now I use tap to pay and that works mm -hmm. fine. But imagine a future where it recognizes your voice as you're having a conversation with the cashier from all the Amazon Alexa data it has. And it recognizes you, uh, your face from various cameras placed uh, around the cash register. Like it can get a 3D mapping of your face and you never have to pay. It just pays automatically when you go through the counter and you, you know, you can maybe set it up so that it, you know, you still use your phone to tap if you don't like that. But I think that's going to happen. And, and, you know, we inevitably are running into a future where facial, facial, sorry, and and audio authentication or voice authentication are going to be the way uh, over fingerprinting. Fingerprinting might be added as a, an, an additional step to like mm -hmm. further secure the transaction. 
But I feel like that's the way to go. And, you know, there's so many cameras out there. People are freaked out when I talk about this stuff. But have you ever been to the UK? I mean, it's full of cameras everywhere. We've had that for decades. It's not going to change. All that's going to be changing is that these cameras are going to be able to see us from different angles mm -hmm. and cre create a 3D map of our face and going to be able to prove that we're really who we are, for better or for worse. I understand there's huge privacy implications, there's huge implications around, you know, uh, what's it called, uh, surveillance. And I, 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 I want to validate that. I don't have a solution to those things. Yeah. But I do think that our, f our future is going to be better served once, you know, these entities are able to interact with us that way. And it's up to us to push them hard to make sure that their privacy and security aspects are on top. Google has never let me down on security. I have had Google accounts that are critical to me for uh -huh. decade, almost a decade, over a decade now. Uh -huh. And I have never had a data breach. I have never had a problem. I've had, sometimes gone down and it's, you know, but it's been up within minutes or hours. So it's possible. And I think people who worry too much about that maybe shouldn't. Uh I would definitely just like to say like the, the idea, that concept of being able to walk into a store and just kind of, you know, have that seamless interaction. I'll, I'll start with that. That is a very interesting concept because that's something that I talk to people a lot about with the idea of kind of like payment apps. And then one, you've got every company wants their own version of a payment app and none of them are like compatible or seamless. You have to set them up all together. You have to set them up separately, I mean. And that's kind of one of the fatal flaws of, of it because it's like you can't, it's not a universal system where, for right. example, you have a credit card, you know, you can use, you know, like with the exception of like American Express, where some people don't like to take American Express, you can take your credit card and use it wherever you want. And it works the exact same. And it's not contingent on on various different technologies that that companies want to use to differentiate themselves. And. It kind of reminds me of one of back when I was in high school and I was in an economics class and the teacher was saying that kind of the primary staple of money is like the ease of use. You know, that's kind of what makes a money system catch on and stay on. And that's, you know, for I use credit cards as an, as an example, and that's kind of like the ease of use. It's easy to carry. It's, you know, something that people understand. That's kind of what made credit cards catch on. And even while all of these different types of payment systems are coming up, people are still using their credit cards the same as they always have. So there would have to be something that is like a fundamentally easier functionality than a credit card for it to become a mainstream payment system. So I do think that's a very interesting concept of, you know, being able to just kind of do your, your daily, your daily chores and, and, and have the payment and not have to worry about it in, in that, in that fashion. I agree with you. Yeah. Sorry, go on. Well, well, yeah, I was just going to to build on kind of the security on the security idea that you that you were that you were talking about that you know, I also kind of have to agree from the aspect of you know, we kind of live in a world I understanding people are worried about privacy, but then when something goes wrong, it's like, well, where was the security camera? 
You know, that's kind of like the first question that's answered, that's <laughs> asked when, you know, something goes wrong. Well, why, why is there no identification for, for the perpetrator? Because this place wasn't secure, you know? So like yeah, it cuts that's... both ways, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, so again, it, all of it is kind of just ties into that general idea of ease of use. And, you know, you know, again, if, if people, that's why we have online shopping. So if you're that, you know, it's kind of like, if you're that, you know, if you're that unnerved, you know, you can, you can buy all of your groceries or you can buy, you can buy your whole foods groceries on Amazon. Now, if you want to, you know, it's just, you know, that again, there, there tends to be more people who are kind of, um, more interested in, in moving forward in that way. We have all this technology and everyone wants it to be at the consumer level. So there are, you know, you kind of have to just roll with the punches and, and get used to things. Really? I agree. But, <laughs> but, you know, I think you brought something up that's very interesting. You're right about the siloing of these systems. You know, they all live in silos, right? Amazon's an Amazon, Google's Google, Apple's an Apple. But yeah. here's the thing a lot of people forget. And is that... You know how is this uh, Stripe, I believe, is a company that does provide credit card authentication and and transaction services for e-commerce and point of sale, mm-hmm. right? Th- that's their business model, right? Mm-hmm. They're basically, and Square is another one. They're, between, they're in between the, the banks, credit card companies, basically, and the consumer, and consumer being both stores that need point of sales and consumers like you know you and me and so and so there's no reason that tomorrow and and honestly amazon is the best position to do this there's no reason for tomorrow amazon to say hey we're providing this functionality to anyone mm-hmm. right like we we have we you know like and as as a payment service so you don't have to be in a silo anymore you don't even have to have an amazon account right mm-hmm. i mean it's going to only be better if you have an amazon account because it'll have gathered data about you um, like your voice, because it recognizes your voice that way. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, I think we're very close to that. And, you know, maybe that's the solution. So I don't think that these closed systems are necessarily um, a problem because they could be opened up, mm-hmm. um, you know, to the, um, to, the, to the rest of the ecosystem. And, you know, I think the first company to do that is going to be the one who wins. And mm-hmm. in that sense, I think Amazon's best place for it because they are the e-commerce king, right? Mm-hmm. They have every, you know, sure, they have the vested interest of their own e-commerce system. But ultimately, you know, if they can gather more data about users and more voice data and more image data, you know, through cameras, um, then it's going to benefit them in some way or another that uh, they can even, you know, open it to other e-commerce, you know, providers and potentially to, you know, to to be an intermediary like Stripe or or, or Square. So there's that potential. I, I think we shouldn't forget that, uh, you know, walled gardens can be opened. And, and yeah. I mean, by open, I don't mean open in a security and privacy way. Yeah. I mean, in a in a um, available to uh, you know, uh, uh, on a per transaction skimming basis, like uh, mm-hmm. Amazon would make some money on this, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But keep it still, you know, in a, in a black box so that it's secure. So mm-hmm. I think, I think, you know, we'll see how it goes. Okay. One of the things I wanted to go back to, since we, you know, this is what I love about my podcast is that we go into tangents like this and it's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> but I do want to, I want to, I did want to wrap up on the Galaxy S9 a little bit mm-hmm. before we move on to some other stuff. And I want to take, get your take on that camera system. You know, as I said in the last podcast, you weren't there, but I'll fill you in real quick. We had a a group podcast at Mobile Congress uh, with a bunch of folks. And, uh, you know, 
it's very Samsung to see them improve the camera hardware significantly uh -huh. with this dual aperture system. Uh, they're not the first. Nokia did a dual aperture system, the N86, back in 2009. Um, but they are the first to do it in a super slim, super compact package um, that is in a mainstream smartphone. And, and you know, and it's, and it's absolutely, you can't fight physics. This is going to help in significant ways to have two apertures, especially one that's f1.5 optimized for low light and one and f and f over 2.4 optimized for mm -hmm. daylight, right? It's mm -hmm. going to give us better pictures all around. But it's so Samsung because they're just asserting their might in hardware, right? They're, mm -hmm. they're obviously doing computational photography a little bit with some AI features in the camera. Everybody has to to compete. Google has shown us the way and the Google Pixel 2 XL and Pixel 2 are still slaying in terms of imaging performance based on purely computational photography. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the sensor and lens on the, on the, on the pixels are not, is not like top notch. It's good, but it's not like the best you can get. So my point is, we're seeing Samsung take their hardware might and say, look, you know, we can still do some cool stuff with the hardware. And on top of that, add the computational stuff. You know, what's uh -huh. your take on that camera in general? Do you think that was overkill? Do you think it's going to be beneficial? Do you think that, you know, like me, that it's typically Samsung being Samsung, kind of like Apple, you know, it's Apple at the heart is a hardware company. And when they do things like Face ID, it's really driven by hardware. And then they put mm -hmm. the software on top to make it nice. Yeah. I definitely agree. It is a very Samsung move and you kind of just, you kind of just chuckle. I remember when the, when just kind of the, the preliminary um, teaser started coming out and it was just kind of the whole idea of like the camera reimagined. And I'm like, Oh, really, Samsung? <laughs> Let's see this one. Uh, but I, I, again, the camera, you know, the photos that I've seen and, you know, uh, friends and have been running we were running around barcelona with our with the s9 and at the at the at the launch event testing out the camera i mean you know the camera quality is very good uh and you know i do think samsung put a lot of of very well spent effort into the camera uh one thing that a lot of us did observe is that um in turn, you know, the whole focus on low light, that's kind of just been like a general trend of focusing on how to improve low light imaging has been a thing for a long time. And the the S9, it does really good with low light if the if you're taking still photos. So there was one night we were out and playing with the S9 and uh, noticed if you're kind of like moving around, if you're kind of trying to snap a shot of your buddy as he's turning or whatever, you know, then you kind of have a little bit of an issue where, and, and I guess that's kind of like a devil in the details kind of thing where it's like, you know, that's, that's some very easy to to kind of gloss over because most people they are taking still photos but you know so like you know i guess that the average the average consumer probably wouldn't find that to be like a, a overall like horrible like horrible issue the camera definitely is amazing and you know I do think the dual aperture is very interesting. And again, like I'm kind of starting to get into like standard cameras myself. So kind of to see that from a smartphone pr perspective and kind of studying it there where I'm trying and where I'm also trying to learn about cameras is, is very interesting just, you know, for my, for my personal taste. So, you know, I, you know, I definitely think that, you know, people, you know, people, 
having you know, having these kind of like advanced cameras on your device where you're already spending a lot of money, it's a very interesting and very kind of like positive thing where people can have, you know, again, just increasingly higher quality cameras. So you don't have to spend a thousand dollars on your phone and spend a thousand dollars on your DSLR if you don't want to. <laughs> Yeah, I think we're evolving towards that for sure. I mean, I've been, yeah. you know, I became a photographer. I, I kind of think of myself as a photographer. I take a lot of photos and and I use a lot of different cameras to take photos and I kind of love it as a as a side thing. And of course I do it for work, right? I have to take photos of other devices and stuff. Uh, but I learned on a camera phone. I, I started in 2004 with a Sony Ericsson W800, which was their Walkman phone at the time. But it also had a, two F, uh, a sorry, a two megapixel, um, mm. autofocus camera. It was the first autofocus camera phone. Um, and there was an equivalent Shot model. So, uh, you know, typical Sony, they did two phones that were identical. One was more focused on the music with a Walkman phone. The other one more focused on the camera, the Cybershot. But both, if you looked at the specs, they, and they were identical except for cosmetics and what was bundled in the box. There was a better pair of headphones than the Walkman one. And I think... Um, like a lens cleaner on the on the on the camera one, but they're the same. And I I learned with that, and it, you know this was slow. It performed poorly in low light, etc. But but I learned so much. It restricted my ability to be artistic so much that I learned to be creative. And then eventually, you know, I evolved into what we have now. And and I take great. I, I like to think I take great photos with with cameras, uh, with phones. I mean, and if you look on my Instagram, which is at Tankerl, just like my Twitter, T N K G R L, just check it out. You'll see there's a bunch of photos. The the point I'm making is that eventually I graduated to cameras, kind of like what you're talking about, where I like was okay. I think I've outgrown how creative I can be on these smartphones, even though I love smartphones photography. Um, I'm going to move on to cameras. And I went all the way up to, you know, uh, thankfully not having to buy any of them because at the time I worked at Engadget, so I had access, but I, I went up to, you know, using like uh, D800 Nikons and, and 5D Mark, I think at Mark III at the time from, from Canon. The, the bottom line is I got to play with some serious cameras. And today, if I had the money, I'd buy an Alpha 7 from Sony in a heartbeat, right? Um, I have a Sony NEX, which is a, you know, uh, uh, APS-C camera with interchangeable lenses, mirrorless. And I love it. It's a really old one. I use that for work. I have a Sony, sorry, a... I have a Fujifilm X30, uh, which I really love as well, because it's got all the analog controls you can imagine. It's kind of magical. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I, I, I have kind of gone beyond the, the phone for sure. But like you, I feel like I'm growing as a photographer now into uh, standard cameras. So that's exciting. Um, yeah. And uh, and of course the Galaxy S nine and and the Pixel and all these other phones, you know, iPhone ten, are are still like you know they're getting closer and closer to I'm getting out of my uh, out of a high end point and shoot like the RX one hundred out of a, a mirrorless APS C camera, and I'll, I think there's going to be a time where we're going to be very close to DSLR performance, and a lot of it is going to be driven by computational photography. Mm -hmm. So I'm super stoked about the future of camera. Of some phones and of mobile photography. I hope you are too. Uh, definitely. I mean, and we were saying before, just kind of the idea of like even, and I and I've kind of like written about this myself, where you've got like 
the dual pit, the, the dual lens cameras from all of these other companies. But then again, like Google comes out with this, this camera with one lens and it takes, you know, it was on the top of DXO mark for like 15 seconds before the next device came out. But still it's kind of, you know, and that was kind of like something that I wanted to delve into kind of like how, how the pixel is, you know, is, is keeping up with the devices that are, are now coming out. And, you know, like in, in, in a couple of months, it's going to be a year old, you know, so. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, you know, that's, you know, that's just, and I feel like even, you know, there, there is even a lot to be said about people who would love to get into photography, but they don't, you know, they, again, they wouldn't know where to start, but, they have, you know, hey, even if they're just like, hey, I, I'm just like an Apple fan, so I'm just going to get the iPhone 10 because that's the latest thing. And then, and again, they can play around with it and, and, and get some kind of grasp, but maybe then feel a little bit more confident to, to, to delve into, to delve into a more advanced uh, camera system. So again, it's kind of like you get the benefits, you know, wherever you can get them. And, 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 and in a general kind of, you know, our, our society is just kind of melding into this where anyone can be a creative. It's not just like, you know, the person who's famous. It's not like just the famous painter or the famous actor. Like pretty much if you really have the drive, if you really have the, you know, the interest and want to put that time into it, you can literally make yourself into, into a creative, even if you thought you didn't have a creative bone in your body. Totally. I think it's opening up all kinds of artistic opportunities for people and they're using them, which really makes me happy. So mm-hmm. um, I want to talk about the P20 leaks mm-hmm. uh, more about the Huawei P20, which is going to have three cameras in the back. But before I do, I just want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Audible. Um, if you guys like audiobooks, you know, audible.com is really the place to be. So go check them out. Um, I actually don't listen to that many audiobooks, but when I do, I find some really cool ones. The most recent one that I downloaded is, of course, The Last Jedi, Star Wars. Um, That's out now. So I've been kind of binging on that on this road trip. I'm on a road trip and, uh, you know, it's like an 11 hour audiobook. It's really awesome. So, you know, go check out um, Audible and uh, the, the URL for that is audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. Again, I want to thank Audible for being the sponsor of this podcast. If you love audiobooks, this is the place to be. And again, Star Wars just came out. So if you're a Star Wars person, this is your chance to get it right now. Uh, and, and help the podcast, help support the podcast. So P20, what do you think? I haven't been following it that closely, you know, just kind of knowing the, the, the pretty basic rumors and kind of standard specs. But I mean, we've already seen, um, Huawei kind of going in this trajectory with the, with the Mate 10 and the Pro and there's a, what the Porsche edition? I can't remember what it's called. Uh, you know, so again, I'm not surprised to see them kind of just pushing forward with this AI concept. And, you know, it, I think it will definitely be interesting to see, um, how companies move forward with their, with their definition of AI. Cause it still just kind of feels like what, you know, I, and again, I've had this conversation. It's like, is AI and machine learning the same thing or are they separate entities, you know? And then, you know, again, I feel like when, what, when we hear companies talk about AI, it still seems so rudimentary to be something where it's like, you know, 
you know, the phone can do it for you. And, and, and again, it's kind of like ironic that a lot of uh, kind of across the board, the AI features kind of seem to be localized around the camera as opposed to, you know, the things that are actually making the the device better. Like it, there's the attempts with voice assistants and things like that. But I feel like over time, a lot of those things are kind of falling by the wayside. And then everyone is focusing their supposed AI features on the camera, which I, I again, I, I think that's very interesting. And it's just... um it, again, it's kind of just observing how it's going to develop over time. Yeah, I mean, I'm really curious what they're going to do with this uh, with this triple camera system. The rumors are that this is the dual camera system we're familiar with, in, in essence, with uh, the Mate 10 Pro. Mm -hmm. So one monochrome sensor, high res, one color sensor, lower res with OIS. Combine the two and you can get more detail, more better low light. And, mm -hmm. you know, you can do cool stuff with the monochrome mode for, for, for artistic purposes. But the mm -hmm. third lens is a zoom lens, a times two. Mm -hmm. um, so now it has, you know, essentially like the, the best of what we've seen with the Mate 10 Pro and the best with what we've seen with, you know, the Galaxy S9, mm -hmm. uh, with the, 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 I should say the S9 Plus, which has the, uh, the, the zoom lens and the Note 8 and the iPhone 10 in one phone, which is, mm -hmm. you know, pushing the envelope. And it'll be interesting to see this leak. Um, I, you know, I'll link to it has also a photo of a notch in the front of the display. You know, notches are very controversial. <laughs> I, 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 I want to ask you in a second what you think, but personally, they don't bother me that much. Um, I think that it's not so much the notch that bothers me, but the way the software is done around the notch. And personally, I think I, Apple has dropped the ball on that one. Um, what I was really surprised with, uh, Asus, as you know, launched the Zenfone 5 uh, at MWC, and they have a notch on the 5 and the 5Z, I believe. And, and you know... Again, copycat, you can go, you know, you can go on here on a rampage about how Asus is just trying, you know, made the thing look exactly like an iPhone and then failed miserably because it has a chin at the bottom part of the display. But let's not go there. I'm not interested in bashing Asus right now. What I'm interested in is pointing out that they did one thing right that I think Apple should have done right. Uh, better and it's the fact that when you watch videos and look at photos on the asus zenfone 5 it cuts out the notch completely so it goes mm -hmm. away and mm -hmm. and it, it just reverts to you know having essentially a bit of bezel because of it but you know what i think that's brilliant i think that's the way to go um i don't mind the notch it could be an interesting aesthetic thing i don't mind it at all when it's just showing the signal strength and the time on the sides and you're using mm -hmm. it in portrait mode but I think in, in, in landscape, it should automatically blank out the notch and, and get rid of it. Um, and no matter what you're doing, and on the iPhone, it doesn't do that. And I'm hoping maybe with iOS 12, we'll get that fixed. But the reality is I'm not against notch, but I can see people's concerns with them. What's your take on the notch? Uh, I kind of have the same, the same uh, critique of it that just kind of the general software optimization on the iPhone uh, in particular. And I mean, the very first notch that we've seen was the essential phone. And again, there was the rah-rah. Like, I kind of agree. There is, you know, we can kind of complain about that. But the issue, honestly, really isn't the notch. It is the, the way that the software, you know, software and programs look on the device because of it. And there should be some kind of, 
you know, some kind of way to, to have the user experience not be hindered because of the design. You know, that's kind of the whole point. Like, if you know, what's the point of having the unique design if it's going to cause kind of like a functionality problem for users? Uh, so, like, that is something that I definitely agree with, which is kind of like, you know, I, I wasn't at the at the ASUS launch, but, you know, I mean, you hear about you hear about all the details. So, you know, that is definitely like a really good thing to kind of to kind of focus on, because, you know, I mean, I don't know how like personally, I guess. Well, I use my I feel like I use in terms of video watching. I use my my phone a little bit more for like watching YouTube and things like that, as opposed to kind of sitting down and watching a movie. You know, even if I even if I'm kind of like on a long trip or something, I'm more likely to like download like a a, a long YouTube video. You know, I watch kind of like a lot of people that do kind of podcast style video uh, videos on YouTube. I wouldn't necessarily. I wouldn't necessarily download like a movie or I would put that on a tablet or, or a laptop or something. So, you know, that's my, my frame of reference for, for watching videos on, on a smartphone where, you know, even though you can do it, I, most people I know are not watching movies on I think that's because we're, that's because we're old. (laughs) Kids these days, it's a different story. I'm telling you. Um, But yeah. Um, yeah, I think again, like I feel like the biggest issue about the notch is honestly just the yeah the software optimization and and I mean, I, I, one one would think and one would hope that that would be kind of like an a pretty easy uh, issue to fix. So again, like, you know, like the 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 cycles go by very quickly. So you know it you know. If, if anyone's going to rah-rah, we'll, we'll see for the next software, if it's optimized, then people can, you know, complain about whatever they have to complain about. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think you bring, you bring up a good point. Uh, the reason I brought up the notch with the P20 was basically just because I'm wondering if they're going to have this face ID we talked about or mm. an equivalent to face ID or the iPhone, a face authentication. Mm-hmm. And and then the other thing is, um, will they have more than one camera in the front as well, in the sense of like a portrait mode using dual cameras in the front? Mm-hmm. So let's find that out. That's the big mystery right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, I'm excited. The Mate 10 Pro has been one of my favorite phones uh, of yeah. last year, and it's a solid one. And uh, yeah, let's see how it goes. Yeah. Um, what, I, I mean, do enjoy the Mate 10, um, kind of like how you said you're like a fan of boxy phones. And that's kind of one thing I like about the Mate 10. It, I feel like it's very sleek and kind of just like looks a little bit more important than a lot of other devices on the market. But that's just me. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I agree. Um, and then, you know, what else do we have? We have rumors of the LG G7 finally again. Wow. That's cool. Um, the G7, the, the whole thing around that was so strange. Like, and again, like I just kind of kept like, like half an eye on it. I haven't been following it that closely. And I know there's the rumor that there was like a secret meeting at Mobile World Congress. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like we've seen <laughs> photos that clearly look like they were taken on like in and off. And like on some part of the show floor, um, of the, you know, the G7's been, you know, kind of originally dropped and, you know, being kind of re- 
redone because mm -hmm. LG wanted to be more competitive. That's the rumor. Mm -hmm. And they certainly didn't have anything at MWC other than the V30, uh, what was it, V30S and S Plus, which I have, by the way, a device mm -hmm. and I've been testing. And honestly, it just feels like a really high end. This one has 256 gigs of storage on it. It's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. It feels like a, a high end version of the V30 with all the awesome audio and awesome camera features. But they've added some AI camera things. And honestly, I don't see a huge improvement in the performance of the camera. Mm -hmm. I, I just feel that obviously there's some stuff like barcode scanning and auto recognition, like basically the same stuff that Bixby Vision brings, the same stuff that, that, that uh, what's it called? Uh, um, pixel lens or, or Google lens brings um, all of that. But, but, you know, we didn't see much from LG other than this revamped same hardware V30 and uh, V30s. And, and now we want a G7. We all want a G7. So, mm -hmm. so this leak, this rumor, whatever it is, this, this thing that happened at MWC, first of all, I want to tell the LG folks, where was I for this thing? Hello? Where was I? Uh -huh. That's what I, I want to know. I wasn't invited either. Well, no, I mean, these folks have a pretty good relationship with me. I'm like, hello. I mean, they gave me a V30s at the show. I mean, come yeah. on. But at the same time, I'm like, uh, I would have loved to have my eyes on that. Anyway, I, we don't know much about it. About it um yeah. you know what what would you want out of a g7 if there was such a thing i mean i feel like you know lg has done a very good job at kind of experimenting with the g with the g series and you know if there is anything that um i mean i guess you know that's kind of like a blessing and a curse because you know they they tested various things out like was it the g5 they tried to bring back the the modular yeah yeah um, and, you know, so like that's kind of been like a very interesting test bed. So I feel like that's kind of that's kind of like where we've come to a head with the G series where there's been so much, you know, like kind of in an effort to give the consumers what they want. You know, they've kind of gotten lost in the fray because it's like, you know, like that. I'm sure, you know, like, you know, I, you know, I don't know what your take is on like, like removable backs and things like that. But, you know, the, the G5 came up because everybody was complaining that, you know, all the companies were moving to the, the unibody design and they wanted their removable back. They wanted, you know, to be able to, to take their batteries out. And then, so LG's like, okay, here you go. And then it's a problem. So it's like, you know, like, you know, that that's kind of like, again, that's a double edged sort of kind of like, uh, dare I say, listening to the kids. Yeah, well, listen, the rule is the rule is, um, you know, is not listening to the computer. I, I hate to say this, but Apple's got it right in many ways is you don't, you don't listen, you don't innovate by listening to the consumer. Yeah. You need to move forward and come up with crazy things. Some of them stick, some of them don't look at Samsung, even Samsung. You know, we always bash Samsung for copying Apple, but look, the reality is the note, they made the note and it's probably the most successful, you know, like proof is in the pudding story mm -hmm. of all times. Yes, we need bigger phones. It's a thing. Everybody wants bigger phones. It's happening. I mean, not everybody, obviously. And I, I yeah. appreciate a small phone like the, the, the new Sony, um, you know, ZX2 Compact. Yeah. But the point is... I think most people are very well served by large phones and are very popular. And the yeah. Note series is an example of that. Sometimes Samsung throws the dart into on, onto the target and it falls right off the target, like mm -hmm. the Galaxy camera. I mean, the reality is they've been innovative. And look, Apple finally made big phones because of Samsung. So yeah. the thing is, I think 
is that, you know, you don't want to listen. You just want to go ahead and do something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to me about, you know, going back to LG, the G5 was such a miss because not so much because it was modular. I think personally, I I don't like interchangeable backs and batteries. I do believe that the unibody way is the better way because Mm -hmm. it makes phones more rugged, more compact because Mm -hmm. you have less, you don't have to structurally design around the battery compartment, et cetera. There's all kinds of advantages. Uh, It's also less of a point of failure because you don't have remove like connectors that can oxidize and stuff. As an engineer myself, I can see totally why we've gone unibody on everything and and incor- and put batteries that are not removable. You know, lithium-ion batteries have gotten so reliable and so strong that you don't need to replace them. In the early days, it was because the batteries would fail that they were replaceable. Now, you know, it doesn't matter to me. You know, having to remove a battery physically means your phone shuts down. You know, having a battery pack that you plug your phone into with USB-C means your phone doesn't shut down. It continues, it recharges. And yes, it's a bit cumbersome because you're carrying this extra thing that's tethered. But at the same time, you don't have to reboot. You don't have to lose your clipboard. You don't have. I mean, there's a lot of kinds of advantages. I mean, that that battle's been fought and lost. <laughs> Anybody who wants a removable battery and removable back at this point can go suck it, as far as I'm concerned. Okay. So, oh, wow. on that note, I'm going to say that the G5 was, I don't think, necessarily a bad idea because mm-hmm. of listening to consumers and that you know they wanted to be different. The way the implementation was terrible. It was yeah. poorly designed. The phone felt cheap. There was all kinds of problems with the matching up of the parts, like seams and things that were look, making it cheap and flimsy looking. The fact that it was painted metal instead of like an anodized metal or whatever mm-hmm. made it feel like a cheap plastic phone when we all know it was metal. I mean, it was a, lith- a litany of problems. Mm-hmm. The G6 to me really fixed all that. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, I don't know why, but they didn't come out with a Snapdragon 835 on the G6. They should have. Well, and I mean, that was like, I mean, from what I understand, it was because of the whatever exclusivity that Samsung had to release. That's to true. Release yeah. The uh, the 835 um, on because their device they make it. first. Yeah. And then yeah, yeah. LG released the G6 at CES or Mobile Congress. One of Mobile those. Congress. Mobile Congress. Yeah. So and then, you know, the the S8 came out a month later. So, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure in terms of like release timing, like obviously, you know, there's there's, you know, companies will think that there's a benefit to kind of being first to market. So maybe that's like, you know, like one thing they wanted to have kind of like the the first device of the year. And, you know, that was kind of and, and then not having the latest the latest hardware, you know. Totally. No, I I get that. I understand what you're saying. And that's absolutely totally correct. I just wish that, you know, I felt like they, they basically the V30 was the phone that addressed all the issues of the, the G6, right? Yeah. And the V30 was the flagship and should have been the flagship. But in the past, the V30 was the note competitor. Mm -hmm. And this year, the V30 was really the flagship. It wasn't note competitor. In fact, it's barely as bigger than a iPhone 10. It's not a large screen phone. I mean, it is, but you know, in this great scheme of things, the Note 8 totally eclipses it. So it's an interesting strategy. And I think that's kind of why they regrouped because the G7 mm-hmm. can't screw that up because they do need to make a V40, which I feel might need to return to being either a multimedia powerhouse or a Note competitor mm-hmm. in a larger in larger form factor. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the G6 last year, and again, you're right about the Snapdragon 835 issue. I mean, having a phone launch towch the end of the 8 8 21's lifespan mm-hmm. 
with and without the quad DAC in, in in our market, which meant the audio wasn't you know a distinguishing feature, mm-hmm. was a bit of a disappointment. They fixed all that with E30, and now I can't wait for the G7. What I want them to do, this is what I want LG to do. And if you're listening, LG, if it's not too late, <laughs> this is what I want from your phone. I want someone to like the wide angle on the on the, all the LG phones mm-hmm. is being a godsend. I use it way more than the zoom lens on my other phones. Mm-hmm. And I want to see a triple camera where you have the wide angle, the two times zoom mm-hmm. and the regular lens on one phone. And mm-hmm. please, 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 if you don't do this with the G7 uh, LG, please do that with a V40 because then you will have the killer camera system for a phone. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's interesting. That's my request. Mm-hmm. Um, let's move on to maybe um, the uh, the HTC 12 rumors. Mm-hmm. So we know that HTC is going to make probably one final phone. This has been very controversial. You know, ever since the, like I've been calling it for a while now that when this Google acquiring most of HTC happened recently, like mm-hmm. engineering, mm-hmm. that I, I, I called HTC dead in the smartphone world. I, I said that it was the beginning of them going away and i don't say that in a mean way i love htc so hard i'm a biggest htc fangirl ever but i have to be realistic how you know how can you sustain yourself and so i figured that they would make one more flagship and i would be done Mm-hmm. And I'm calling it. I think the 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 the, the eight, whatever the twelve HTC twelve will be U um, twelve. I guess will be the the last. Sure. And 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 I think that this this is definitely true potentially because of the you know the the head of uh, we covered this a couple of weeks ago on the podcast the head of HTC's phone division leaving right mm-hmm. um, that 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 doesn't bode well to me so a lot of people say yeah Miriam you were right I'm look it's premature to say I was right I don't want to be right okay I want mm-hmm. HTC to continue making a bazillion phones that we love <laughs> but the U12 is hopefully still happening and I'm curious to see what they're gonna do what do you think will happen I I, I mean these rumors are interesting but I want to hear what you have to say about it. I I definitely kind of like in you know in the notes that I took down I kind of like was just musing the same thing just like if if pretty much HTC's entire you know hardware development team is at Google like what are they gonna do like are they gonna like build kind of like a new smartphone business or you know or or shut it down so I definitely think you know that is kind you know that the premise that you're that you're going with is kind of in the right direction and. You know, it's really hard to say what's going to happen because, you know, I am also a fan of HTC. A lot of like I feel like a lot of um, when I first started in the industry, that was one of the first companies that I really started working with closely. So, you know, if their phone division, you know, shut down, I, I too would not be you know quite happy. You know, I think. You know, HTC over the years, they kind of, you know, they they not really. um I wouldn't necessarily say like an underdog, but again, like, you know, every, they kind you know, of every, are, yeah. Oh, I, I guess agree. so. Uh, but, you know, like, oh, you know, kind of attempting to, to, to get to that like flagship status, like a Samsung or an Apple. And I think that they, um, you know, they're kind of that, you know, the company where, 
people don't really acknowledge that a lot of the technologies that we that we prize in our devices today were kind of, you know, introduced on a lot of HTC devices, like even just kind of like, you know, like even thinking like there was for a while before like the whole kind of like the Exomark war started, I would note that I, I believe it was maybe like 2016, there was for a time where the three top phones on the Exomark were all all had cameras that were made by HTC or the hardware was made by HTC and it was like the it was like the U12 there was like maybe like whatever Samsung um excuse me whatever HTC's the HTC had another device and it was the original Pixel so yeah, like you're it right. was all like the top 3 you know, and no one is going to sit there and be like, oh, you know, you know, no one would sit there and be like, oh, well, HTC is this huge camera innovator. No, uh, you know, we all knew that, that, you know, kind of like the HTC Google partnership was kind of like, quote unquote, under under the rug, under wraps, where, you know, maybe a lot of people wouldn't recognize that. But that's something that I noticed where there, 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 in fact, was a lot of technology that came out of HTC that maybe it wasn't prized in their actual phones. But, you know, it is something that kind of has helped push uh, you know, uh, mobile tech along to, to the trajectory that we're seeing now. And, you know, it is kind of unfortunate that, uh, you know, if this is kind of like the, the waning of their smartphone division, it, it is kind of sad. Cause I feel like I know a lot of people as well. I have a friend who I feel like she had an HTC device probably up until like last year. And it was like an old one. And she, you know, she, she used it way beyond his expiry date. You know, she loved She hung device. on to it, right? You she know? stuck to it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and like today, like, again, like even my friends who are frugal, you know, they're like, okay, like I've had this thing for two years, a uh, uh, iPhone, a uh, uh, Samsung. I've had this thing for two years. I'm ready as soon as, you know, as soon as pre-orders are on the ne- for the next device I wanted, you know, I'm not holding on to this a second longer than I have to and I feel like you know I feel like anytime that I've seen someone hold on like really really hold on to a device it's been an HTC device so you know you know it you know I hope that you know I hope that is a credit to HTC that you know there there are people there are people that love those devices and you know we'll see what you know what We'll see what happens. But I mean, you know, obviously they're not out of the game because, you know, they've they've delved very much into VR, into VR. So well, you know, for the sure, vibe yeah. there's is, a vibe. Yeah. You know, the vibe is, you know, is is still is still alive and kicking and probably, you know, we'll see how the VR industry goes, which is kind of like I said, I feel like there's like a weird slowdown right now in, 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 in that sector, not just for HTC, but just in general. But, you know, it's you know, there there are things that they're that they're still into. But I do, I definitely do, I don't have an answer, but I have that question mark of, you know, I too, I'm kind of looking to see what will happen with their smartphone division. Yeah, no, I think, look, they they were super successful for a long time. Then they became a bit of an underdog. That's why we loved them even more because their products were so good and they still are. The U11 is a great phone. The 10 before that was a great phone. And I think the U12 will be a great phone. What we know so far is, of course, Snapdragon 845, uh, of course, dual camera system in the back, which is a return for HTC. They did the HTC One M8 that had a dual camera yeah. system. And then we are going to see um a uh, of course a bezel-less 189 
uh, or you know full screen kind of display which they already did on the u11 plus but we never got this in the us and i wasn't even able to get a review in it despite mm. having some very good contacts at htc it's a tough one to get your hands on mm. uh, but you know we'll wait and see right i mean i'm i'm rooting for the the u the u12 i just want everyone to know i'm out there i'm yeah. i'm there um quickly covering a few more things before we wrap up um I'm, i brought these subtopics up you know, just simply because they're interesting. Huawei uh, very quietly announced the Mate SE in the mm -hmm. US. And the Mate SE is really the Honor 7X that the rest of the world is getting because mm -hmm. we got the Honor 7X, which to me is the best sub $200 phone in the US today. Mm -hmm. We got that phone in December or whatever it was. And mm -hmm. it's a great phone. The only thing that I you know, kind of docked, docked it for was lack of NFC, so you can't do Android Pay and a micro USB connector, which, you know, I understand for some people, they're still in that world and it's a big change. Like my mom is a person mm -hmm. that I wouldn't want to have to change all of her chargers overnight until the absolute last minute you know like in, yeah or her next phone maybe but not now okay. and and i can understand that but I, I mean for us reviewers usb type c is the only way to fly so um so, so the 7x in the rest of the world has four gigs of ram and mm -hmm. i think 64 gigs of storage mm -hmm. whereas the uh the uh the 7x in uh in uh, in uh, the U.S. has only three gigs of RAM and 32 gigs of storage, so mm -hmm. um, that's kind of the the difference. And so this Mate SE basically is the same phone as the 7X in the rest of the world, but as a Huawei phone. Mm -hmm. And you know, this brings up something that I just wanted to touch on real quick, and it's that I still don't understand Huawei and the whole Honor Huawei thing. And they, <laughs> and, you know, and they've tried to explain this to us journalists in many different ways. And every time we look at them, roll our eyes and go, seriously, really? <laughs> no, none of this makes any sense. Get over it. It's Huawei no matter what. Yeah. I think that now that with all this political crap around Huawei in this crazy regime we live in, uh, I think that Huawei should actually give it give it up on selling phones as Huawei devices in the US and they should focus on selling them as Honor phones. Only Honor. And so I thought this, that's what they were doing to be. Well, this with. insistence of coming out with a Mate SE that's Huawei branded that is a little better than the Honor. Really? Really, Huawei? What the hell are you doing? Like, this does not make any sense. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I, I thought that's what they I thought that was the plan from the beginning, because I remember the you know, some of the first ones there was I can't remember what um, was it the Honor 8 that was announced in San Francisco like two years ago? Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, like again, I and then you know there have been several Honor brand phones that have been announced at CES and stuff like that. So again, like I I kind of agree, like you know from what from what I've heard, what I from what I've heard from Huawei that they were intending to kind of market their honor brand for the US where, you know, kind of like these like fun flirty phones. I know that, you know, like obviously they have a a better standing in 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 Asia and Europe and stuff like that. And even in even in Europe where it's kind of like um you know, the, the honor brand is kind of very popular among young people and stuff like that. So I thought they were kind of just using that marketing strategy and bringing it to the U.S. and not really worrying about kind of bringing the the uh, the Mate series and kind of their flagship devices to the U.S., at least maybe not right now, like even give it a couple more years for 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 people to kind of get used to the honor brand and maybe then like change trajectory. But I feel like, again, it's like, We've 
haven't gotten a chance to really know Huawei in the U.S. in any capacity. And then it's just kind of like more phones, more phones, more phones. And it's like, you know, they have so many devices that it's, it really is kind of like a which one do you get from, you know, from 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 their from their repertoire, like. You know, like there's only so many iPhones you can get. There's so only so many Samsung devices you can get. But it seems like every every few weeks you can kind of, you know, get a, you know, a new Huawei device. And and that's yeah. kind of that's kind of, you know, something that, again, like a company like like Sam, Samsung was critiqued about that in the past where it's like, OK, you've got so many versions, you know, of the same phone this one's just got a little bit more battery power. This one's got a stylus. This one has, you know, this one has this m- amount of RAM. This one has the special feature that the other one has, but it all essentially is the same device. And you and you can only use the 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 excuse of oh well, it's you know we're kind of trying to cater to 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 this specific market. Well, this this market likes this feature, so we're going to release this version of this same phone over here and a slightly different version over here, and that didn't work. We've seen it not work before. You know, so that is where I'm like, they're kind of treading on thin ice with with this kind of just like constantly pushing out phones, kind of trying to see which market sticks where, you know, like, again, when I when I when I first when we first started seeing uh, Honor come to the U.S., I kind of thought that was, you know, a really a really good plan. Like I said, like my Honor 8, I used that. I used that for a decent decent amount of time. You know, I enjoyed that phone. And I think that if, you know, if they had kind of continued in that, in that, in that, in that realm, at least for a while, like, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not like a a company executive to, 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 to call those shots. But, you know, again, if you're, if the whole idea is, um, targeting young people, targeting millennials who, by the way, Brooklyn, what is it? The Brooklyn Decker kid that they brought out, not a millennial, Huawei. He's not a (laughs) millennial. (laughs) Um, They, you know, like, I feel like, you know, again, the whole idea is that the, the device is, you know, very stylish looking, nice colors and things like that. But then also it was not super expensive. So it's like, hey, you know, like if you've got like the kid, kids who are like, oh, well, I like this phone because it's cute and compact and shiny and stuff like that. And the parents don't have to spend a thousand dollars on an iPhone 10 there. You know, there's kind of a win win if your kid picks the honor device because it looks cool and I don't have to pay all that money like I felt like that was a really good strategy but you know then you you have all of these you know and again just the idea of well you know we know that Honor and Huawei are the same are the same thing but you know other people don't know that Huawei and Honor are the same thing so again it's like if people were getting used to Honor then you throw the actual Huawei brand out there even people who are accustomed to honor are not going to know to say, well, hey, well, you know, the Huawei device is kind of like an option under the same umbrella, you know, and you got that's it. kind of very confusing. You got it. You totally nailed it. I agree with you 100%. Speaking of, I just want to mention this because I did, didn't tell you guys last week, but I was in France after and before Mobile Congress to visit my mom who lives in the south of France and uh, my mom needed a new phone. And um, just before I left for the U.S., um, the Honor PR folks 
That gave me an Honor 9 Lite, which is a European market phone. Well, it's also available in parts of Asia, China, uh, but it's um, they're pushing very hard in Europe. And of course, you know, when I went to see my mom, she says, I need a new phone. And I was like, probably going to get her a Galaxy A8, which, as you know, is pretty popular in Europe. And then I saw this phone. And of course, I had just received one and I hadn't had a chance to play with it, but I played, I'd, I'd kind of like taken it out of the box and did an unboxing video on my channel. And uh, you can see that on my YouTube. Um, and I was impressed with that phone. So I said, mom, I think you should get this phone. Your carrier has it. Let's go get it. So we got it and I was blown away. So this is what you should know. And this goes back into this whole conversation about Honor and Huawei launching so many phones that kind of step over each other. The Honor 9 Lite is not an offspring of the Honor 9. It's actually its own kind of device. It's basically an Honor 7X with NFC mm -hmm. and a glass back <laughs> and a smaller front display. Instead of 5.9 inches, of 5.5 or 5.7 inches. Mm -hmm. It's still 18 by 9 full screen. It has dual camera in the front and in the back. Oh my. And NFC. And all the things, and the same chipset and same specs and all the yeah. things you love about the 7X with a glass back. Get this, 179 euros. Nice. This is insane. I don't think they make money on this phone. I think they're dumping them in Europe to really get their brand out there. Mm -hmm. And for that price, I said, you can't lose, mom. This is a great phone. And yeah. so since uh, then, I, I got back from Mobile Congress on, and I went on this road trip. And I've taken the phone with me in my pocket. And I'm really impressed. It's essentially mm -hmm. what I just said. It's a 7X with a glass back and with NFC, and it adds a dual front camera in addition to dual rear camera. Mm -hmm. And you can't fault this phone for about 179 euros. It's insanely well-priced. Mm -hmm. So check it out. It's on my YouTube. And check out my Instagram and, and Twitter. There'll be some photos taken with the phone. Um, but this, again, you know, you're, again, like adding salt into this wound. Like, you now have another phone that doesn't exist in the U.S., but should, and is really cool, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, wow, it's it's kind of crazy. Anyway, we should probably wrap it up. Um, okay. What is your daily driver, Fiona? What do you, what do you use every day right now? Uh, you said Galaxy S8? Yeah, yeah, I have the S8 right now. Again, I'm, you know, we'll see. I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm very strange just because I often, I kind of started using my S8 after the Note 8 came out as opposed to using the Note 8 as my daily driver. So I feel like now that the S9 is going to come out, I'm about to switch to the Note 8. <laughs> Because uh, of course, like yeah, yeah, you you know that's fine. I mean that's fair. <laughs> but yeah, I mean you know my I, my S eight is old faithful. Before that, I was using the S seven Edge, which I got, and that's kind of like I feel like my favorite thing about the S nine is that they brought back coral blue. I'm so excited. I feel like that's like the best device color I've ever seen. Like I remember I, I have a good friend who she kind of lives vicariously through me for all the tech stuff. And when, you know, that came out on the Note 7 and like, you know, she got, she literally got the Note. She had just gotten a device maybe six months ago and she like dropped her old device and, and, and got the Note 7 just because of the the coral blue and you know obviously yeah, you know, it's a good color. 
you know, we know it happened with that, but she was devastated, you know, like when she wasn't able to use that device anymore. Uh, and so, and for me, I wasn't able to like purchase the, the Coral Blue Note 7. So I got the Coral Blue S7 Edge and that was my daily driver for a long time. Uh, but yeah, that, I think that for me, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty big color snob and I, I will always, <laughs> I will always, I always gripe at Samsung that the colors that I really, really liked, and this is like kind of like over like like several years ago, but the colors that I always really liked were never in the U.S. So it's like when the gold came out, U.S. doesn't get it. When the silver came out, U.S. doesn't get it. You know, so like I was always like I would always complain that I'm like, come on, like you know there are people in the U.S. that want these colors. Why are you teasing us like this? So like I feel like coral blue was like my saving grace where I was actually able to purchase the the device that I wanted in the color that I wanted in the U.S. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm personally excited about the purpley, uh, whatever color. Yeah. Um, that's what that I'm one is, That one is very nice as well. But like I said, I, I, this is, I feel Coral like. blue for you. Yeah. We know. <laughs> uh, listen, do you want to tell people where they can find you on the internets? Uh, definitely. Uh, so... As as uh, as Miriam said, I'm a freelance writer right now, and you can find me on Twitter at Techie Supreme, one word, and I have more contact information there. Um, I am formerly from Business Insider and International Business Times, and so you can go find my archives there as well. And uh, yeah, like how, if you want to reach out to me on Twitter, or like I said, I have further contact information on my Twitter profile. I'd love to hear from you. Awesome. And you guys, uh, you know, if you are looking for somebody to write stories for you, um, you know, hit hit up Fiona. Uh, and uh, you know where to find me online. Uh, I'm at Tankerl. That's T-N-K-G-R-L. It's like the comic book character without the vowels. That's how you'll remember. Um, you'll find me on Twitter and Instagram with that. Uh, I did not manage to get that for YouTube. So if you want to go to my YouTube channel, it's youtube.com slash Miriam Joar. My full name spelled out Miriam with a Y. Remember, there's a lot of videos there that uh, show you some of the products we discuss on the on the show. I don't have a Galaxy S9 yet, but it's coming, so stay tuned for that. But all these other phones we talked about, you can check out there. Uh, and most importantly, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast uh, at mobiletechpodcast.com. Sorry, I'm going to repeat that. Mobiletechpodcast.com is the URL, and you can find the RSS feed there for your podcast app. And of course, we're on iTunes, we're on Pocket Cast, and all that good stuff. Uh, I want to do a shout out quickly to uh, Audible for being our sponsor, and of course, to World Podcast for being our producers and uh, hosting the podcast. And stay tuned, we'll have more next week. Fiona, thanks so much for being on. It was a delight to have you on. I hope you come back sometime soon. Uh, definitely. Thank you for inviting me, and I would love to come back. Yay, we'll make it happen. <laughs> All right, folks, that's it. And see you till next week. Cheers. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.